Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob here. Welcome to this interview with Gary Wheeler. He's a local legend in the Kaima Running Club. Uh, Gary has enviable PBs at all distances, including low 16-minute 5K time, low 33-minute 10K time, a 2.47 marathon over a very hilly course where he placed ninth overall. Uh, Earlier this year, Gary placed fourth at the World Cross Country Championships in Bathurst uh, behind some of Australia's legendary runners, including multiple national champion, the famous Bruce Graham, and one of our greatest runners of all time, Steve Monaghetti. At 65 years of age, Gary's a shining example to all of us of how to write your own definition of what success is, how to decide on your own goals, and how to know yourself as an athlete and as a person. I learned so much from Gary in this interview, and I know that you will as well. So please enjoy this interview with Gary Wheeler. Gary, thanks heaps for joining us on the podcast today, mate. Thanks a lot, Rob. Really appreciate it, mate. There's a lot of people who want to know more about you and um, how you do what you do into... Is it okay if I say that you're 65 now? <laughs> yeah, you certainly can, mate. Yeah. Because we were watching you, the results you get, and um, I think you've got a lot of insight that you can share. So, Well, hopefully. <laughs> can we start with your where you grew up and when you came to Australia? Yeah, certainly, Rob. I came to Australia when I was seven... Um, I grew up in Glasgow. Dad was English, mum was Scottish. It was a pretty rough area from what I gather. So for a better life, uh, we came to Australia and we stayed on Ferramatta Hostel um, till I was probably eight, nine. Then we moved to Warilla, where I was there till I was 20, then started teaching in Sydney. Not really... Uh, running and stuff like that for me. I played a bit of football, did a bit of surfing, but school athletics, probably, I was fairly quick, so I'd run 100 metres, pretty slippery, but in bare feet, never coached. So I got taken to uh, state athletics for the 400, never ran a 400 before. Finished second, could have been eighth. I think the first eight <laughs> crossed the line together. And I just happened to fall over before the others came. <laughs> and, yeah, then didn't do anything, just surfed and played a bit of football, played a bit of rugby union. Uh, they're called tech tars now, but they were waratahs when I played. I was 18, a bit of first grade, a bit too small, I think. Um, so I had to be fitter than everyone else. So when people got tired in the second half, I was able to come into my own. Then uh, went to Sydney. Decided to do, uh, came back, and a friend of mine who was a pretty good athlete and a couple of mates said that they wanted to do a marathon. I thought, yeah, why not? Not playing football anymore. Went for a run around Lake Illawarra once. Thought, that's 42Ks, I'll be right. Went to Sydney. They ran pretty well. I shouldn't have been running with them. Uh, I don't remember from 38Ks onwards. Ended up in the back of an ambulance, woke up and said, Uh, I've got to finish, I've got to finish. They said, no, 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 you've run 326, you've finished. Uh, We'll take you to hospital, get you on a drip and give you food. I realised then that training was really important to do it properly. (laughs) I was 26 and a friend of mine wanted to do a triathlon. So from then, between 26 and 40, 42, did a lot of triathlons. I really liked them, some half ones, 
some sprint ones, and that gave you a really good base. But from there, uh, after doing those, decided um, might play a bit of Oztag. So I played a bit of Oztag till I was 60, and then decided, nah, it was supposed to be tag, but <laughs> it was old blokes playing footy and <laughs> putting the shoulder in the link. No, they were all really nice people, but it was just time to change for something else. So yeah, just that's sort of my background, Rob. Incredible. So just back to that first marathon, your training you, you, was minimal? At... I was always very fit, Rob. Yeah. I thought at football training, that was my advantage, like I said. So for me, it was at training, I was probably played my best games early in the season before you got those knocks. Once you started getting knocks, and like I said, I was probably 70 kilos playing first grade, probably a bit of centre, a bit of fullback. So I was quick, but it was it probably wasn't a game. It's, this isn't self-modesty, but if I was going to play today, I wouldn't get a run. Not at my, I would have been better off playing soccer or maybe doing athletics because back then everyone was half the size. Uh, you know, most guys were 80 kilos. So if I went around at 70, I was doing okay. But I always had little stick legs <laughs> and they tried to get me to build up my legs, but it wasn't happening. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I, I, was, I was fit, but to run distances and especially to pick 42 k's as your first thing and never did I don't know what possessed me, probably young and stupid, I think. That's a great story, though, ending <laughs> up in the ambulance after a 3.26 on your first effort. Yeah, and then I trained and we did a couple and we did a tough one. I only did three. I don't think you've got too many in your body, although I know some people. There's a an older lady called Pam who used to run in Wollongong and she's older than me and she must do 10 or 12 a year. But I thought you've only got so much in your body. So I ended up doing one and finished equal ninth and did um, 2.47, I think. So and that was a pretty tough one. So I think that was all about this guy I trained with had a diary and used to write down, you know, what you do. And I thought, oh, well, that might be, might be helpful after you ended up in an ambulance after your first one. <laughs> and from there, it, it was good, yeah. Yeah, that was all good. So then the transition to triathlon, what was the Yeah, well, this friend of mine... He was a very good triathlete, Kevin Goodwin. He's actually, he's six months older than me and he's a gun swimmer. And he said to me, you've run a marathon, guys. I said, yeah, but you didn't know how it ended up. He said, you've always been fit. How about we do a triathlon? I'm thinking, well, I've surfed. We used to surf together. Thought I could swim and then realized it was Shellhaven, I think 1986. And I counted the strokes <laughs> because I'm going, who in their right minds, because in those days they take you up the river, so you weren't swimming 500 out and 500 back. So when you were looking at a K, and I'd never been a pool swimmer, I'm going, oh, this is nightmarish. And um, <laughs> once I got on the bike, I was all right, even with the stick legs and, uh, <laughs> from there, and the run was good, and that sort of hooked. And then I worked with Kev on my swimming, and uh, yeah, from that, really enjoyed them. Probably did over 100, I don't know how many, but just, but that became your speed work. Yeah, some people train too much, I think. Well, not too much. Different people do different things. And if you were doing, say, racing a, a 1.54010 on a Sunday, and then you tried to do speed work, and then you were doing another 1.54010 or a, even a sprint one the next day, I think your body, or my body anyway, can't handle that. So 
when you were doing that many races, it was more or less um, pacing yourself between, during the week and then on the weekend you'd race again. If you were, had, say, a month between races, then sure, you could go out and run. But I think when we were younger, like we weren't doing 400s or things like that. From what I recall, we were running together as mates and going for rides and having swims. I mean, that was what it was all about, yeah. I think, Rob. And you were working as a teacher throughout that, all that period? Yeah. 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 Where did you teach? Um, well, I started at, it was called Harrington Street Public School up at Cabramatta West. I was 20 years of age when I started, so I got the, we used to get telegrams in those days. So I got a telegram that said I was going to Harrington Street and because I surfed, I thought, oh, this is great, I'm going to Harrington up near Taroo. So I went into head office and said, oh, I'm gonna pack my board and everything, I'm off to Taroo, to Harrington. And they said, no, no, you're going to Harrington Street Public, it's a street in Cabramatta West. And I went, okay, so I'm not taking my board. And um, so I went there, but that was really good. It was a big school, nearly a thousand kids. Everyone said at the time, the Western suburbs are pretty hard, which maybe they were, but it was a good grounding. You know, it got you to understand, you know, you know, kids are kids and everybody's got a story. And oh, yeah. yeah, they were good years, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And then went to Karinjilla, another yeah. tough school, they said, but migrant kids are gorgeous. Yeah. Like the parents, as a teacher, if you do, especially if you're involved in sport, but if you do anything for their kids, whether it's art, music, even their maths or language, those parents really value education and they just can't do enough for you. So, and then I went to Fig Tree. And if you saw a tough kid, they'd say, this is a tough kid. And you'd say, you haven't seen tough. Yeah. This kid's pretty mild. Yeah. yeah you know. right. So yeah, no, and enjoy teaching. Yeah, God, it really did. Good on you. But so that was a, it was always primary school? Or? Always primary, yeah, primary yeah. school. Yeah. In those days, generally, if you were a male, which I don't think is right, um, you were generally given year six or year five, you know, they, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, they just thought the men could handle it, which isn't true. Some of the best teachers I've seen have been females. Mm. Um, they've just, their, their content and, you know, it's how you treat kids. Mm. So no, that, that's a myth. But they were, um, yeah, but they were good years, yeah. But again, that gives you the opportunity to train too. You talk about, you know, why you do what you do or how well you do or don't do. I can't imagine being a bricklayer and laying bricks all day and then saying, oh yeah, I can go for a run this afternoon. Don't get me wrong, like teaching's a different sort of exhaustion, probably mental, and maybe that training is a good release rather than the other. If you're a plasterer, you know, when do you find the time to swim and run, you know, or so it's, it's, you, you've got to be pretty lucky in some ways and then make the most of it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Good. Uh, it's interesting to hear you say about the release and, and how you fit in. Because tell us about the transition from triathlon to, to running. Was it a clear break? Or yeah, is this, no, I yeah. don't think so. Because yeah. I've, always, I've always liked running. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a transition. It was like someone said, would you like to do a triathlon? And I've said yes. And it's something about, doing something as achievement like you know rob you're running 100ks something i just can't imagine so for me the first time i looked at say the Sri chamoy which was a 2.4 i think 80k ride in a half marathon i'd look at that as an achievement and just say you know you just have to finish it's not about being first second third fourth or whatever um, if you can get to the end yeah that's great and even if you get a flat tire i'd always take a spare and put it in and it didn't matter if you were 
167th or whatever, the fact is you finished. You know, if you've got two flats, a bit of bad luck, you had to yeah. walk home, yeah. That, okay, so tell us about that because in the last few years, well, in the last, since age 40 to, to, yeah, to now, to, yeah. your running achievements have been pretty extraordinary in the in yeah. times and places. So where does that crossover come with not caring about where you finish, but then competing yeah. at the level that you are? Oh, you're too kind. I think, <laughs> um, I think if you talk to my wife, Dimmy, she'll say, you come across as not competitive, she said, but you're self-competitive. She said, I know you. <laughs> and so by me saying you have to finish and you have to be thankful you can finish, that's true, right? But she's probably right inside if I go to do a race I've planned it out in my head how I want to run what I want to do even oh maybe as I got a bit older but yeah I think around definitely late 30s early 40s it was that I wonder how fast I can go and yeah so if I'm being really honest people might see me as not competitive and I I hope I don't come across as someone who it's win at all costs or things like that but I sort of figure if I can run, say for example, if you can run 40 minutes for 10Ks and someone beats you, then they've had a good race. And if you finish second and you've run, you know, 33 or 34, then wherever, wherever everyone else finishes is, doesn't really matter, does it? If you've done your best, I think um, that place or whatever, and then you've got to remember, I've done some races that I've, might have won, but who turned up? You know, I could go to Killaloo and finish 10th or 20th if all the guns turn up. So for me, when I go there, it's not about where I finish. That'll look after itself. It's about what time have I run and am I happy with that? Yeah. I love this. Can we drill in this a bit? Because yeah, you're talking yeah, about yeah. That, that self-internal motivation. That's, so you are self-competitive, as you say. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it really is that true intrinsic motivation where you're you've you've already set a goal for yourself from inside instead of going to say i want to win or i want to beat such and such yeah. you're looking to see how fast you can yeah and, and it will look after itself yeah if you say for example if uh i was going to do north wollongong park run which is 5ks my first goal would be i think is a real achievement at my age if i can still run under 20 minutes it's a flat course so then it becomes, uh, okay, what time do you think you can run? I don't do a lot of miles, but I don't lie to people and say, uh, so they look and say, oh, he's only running 30Ks a week. Oh, I don't know how he does that, but I try and do quality. So if I want to run 345 pace on a flat course, then I've got a train where I can run 345 pace. I went to a clinic when I was doing triathlons in the early days um, I can't remember his name. He's a really good Ironman up in Sydney. And he was a really good swimmer, but not so much a runner. And he went to Jack Gibson and said, uh, I want to run fast. And Jack Gibson said to him, run fast. And I thought, well, what do you mean? He said, well, he was telling me, I can't run five-minute Ks at home and then expect to go into a triathlon and run four or three fifties or whatever. So somewhere I've got to tie that in. So comes to you know your planning I suppose and yeah so I'll do quality 
but also rest. I think for me, three things are really important. Quality training, um, genetics, or probably more than three things, genetics plays a part. Like, you know, I, I'll never, I could never be a world-class high jumper at, you know, five foot seven, but if I train properly, I think I could jump higher than what I thought I could. And I think that's the same with running. You might be a, a five-minute a K runner and think, I'll never run 3.45, but you might have started at six minutes where you came from. If you get to 4.50, mate, that's as good as someone who's gone from 4 to 3.45. I think you've got to look at that, Rob. That's so good. Yeah. Did, is this something that you developed yourself over the years or has it been through, as you said, talking to friends and mentors? Or yeah, I think, yeah, probably yeah. you pick up on different people. Like I said, the first guy that I did triathlons with, he had a diary and I'm going, wow, that's pretty important. Then you hear people say things. Um, I think, um, yeah, the other thing I think, sorry, Rob, yeah, is okay. not, to be, not to get injured. And I think if you don't get injured, you get that consistency. So with not getting injured, that means you should be resting. And maybe I can't run, if I run more than 30 k's a week, I know I'm going to get injured. Some people can run 50, 70 k's a week. Um, but for my body, I've worked out over 40 years that this is what's best for me. But if I want to run quick, then if I'm only doing 30 k's, then I've got to put at least once a week, put something in where I can run fast. Like whether it's, I might run 10 k's, the first k will be slow, then the second k will be downhill and try and do downhill maybe 3.35 pace then a 5.30 pace, then another one will be downhill, might be 3.35 pace and another 5.30 and I'll do that for 10Ks. Maybe there'll be a flat one in there, but they won't all be flat <laughs> so I don't get injured and just get your legs used to ticking over that speed. And yeah. that's, so just to reiterate, that downhill is for the leg to train yeah, your I think speed. so, yeah. yeah. Um, because I did once get on a treadmill just to and wind it up and on a treadmill, you, I think you can run faster than on the road because it's pulling your leg back so, but it gave me an idea. See, even if you're running 320 pace, you know, if you've got the lung capacity, it'll pull your legs back for you. Now, I couldn't run that on the road, but to do that um, on the treadmill, I thought, well, I can run 10Ks like that and slowly maybe start off slow and wind up the machine, wind up the machine. But then I was getting a few calf injuries, a bit of superstition. And a guy by the name of Brendan Sexton, he actually went to the Olympics for triathlon. And I was lucky enough, I was going to Wollongong Uni Gym because my wife's parents were in there. And I saw these people just swimming. It wasn't a coaching clinic. And I thought, oh, geez, that might be all right. I'll go in there at lunchtime and have a swim with them. And he was the coach. So for two bucks, I was getting this world-class swimming coach. And he said to me about the treadmill, he said, I think you're getting calf injuries because of that. Now, that might not be right, but I thought... I think I'll just give that away for yeah. a while. You know, maybe winding it up to those really quick paces wasn't good for me, whereas other people might find it's okay, Rob, yeah. That's it's really good. All this advice that you, you hear, but you take it on. Like yeah. you, you're obviously love learning and wanting to be better. That's obviously yeah, what's driving on. I don't, think, I don't think we ever know. It should be a mm. journey. I don't think any of us have all the answers. And it's your body and you, you understand your body, but... I think you've got to be a sponge and, you know, try things and go, you know, oh, I might 
go up the oval and do a beep test because I saw someone at football doing a beep test and there's a bit of variety. I'll do speed work on Monday. Once a month, I'll go up the oval. Um, the cricket pitch is about 20 metres. I'll hold my phone in my hand and I'll see what level I can get to. You know, I'll just wind it up. So you're trying to keep yourself, as you get older maybe, you're trying to keep yourself interested, not just going out on the road and, um, you know, I'm going to run... 10Ks today, 10Ks tomorrow, 10Ks the next day. I think for me, other people, that might be great. But for me, I just, I'd find that too much. So I'll swim, run, swim, run, and sort of mix that in a bit these days even. This, yeah, this is interesting. So you haven't got it yourself coached? Yeah. yeah. I, the only thing that I have, like I said, I went to swimming with, um, and it wasn't like a squad, but there was um, four of us or five of us all probably... Oh, there's a couple of young guys from uni at lunchtime who swam like fish who'd come along too. And the rest of us, the three older ladies and men would get in there and he'd say to you, oh, I think you're bobbing your head too much, you're doing that. Running, I used to go with a little group in Wollongong with a guy called Mark Middleton. You might come across him. He actually runs these 100Ks with his wife, Beck. And it wasn't a coaching thing. We'd just get, because he started the uni, but then he had his own little group, but I haven't been there for four years. And he'd say, right, I will we'll run from here down to the campus. So I'd run, and if I got there first, then I'd double back. And Pam, that lady I was talking about, she'd be at the end, so then I'd run with her, and then we'd get to the front, and then he'd talk to us again. He said, now we run to here. So if that's coaching, I had it, but never had anyone. Someone told me when I was about 30, a guy by the name of Tony McDonald, great guy, He's passed away now. He was a fitness fanatic, one of those guys in the old days who would run to the steelworks and all this sort of stuff. He said, oh, I think your stride's too short, Gary. We need to lengthen it. Like, he's not a coach, but a really nice guy. And I said, oh, no, I'm not doing that, Tony, because that's not me. So you, you were talking about taking advice. I think mm. you can take advice, but you've got to know yourself. I thought if I lengthen my stride... He said, well, if you lengthen your stride, you'll cover more distance, a better time, but maybe I'd get injured. And then about 20 years later, someone said, Gary, all the Kenyans are running like you. They've got a short stride and a high cadence. I said, well, I haven't been coached. That's just how I feel. That's just how I run. Almost looks like a bit of a shuffle at times, but suits me. Back to this is so back to knowing yourself. This is what I'm like. You, you said this again with your training, 30 to 35 Ks a week, and yep. quality sessions. Um, and this is something that, you've worked out did you overstretch that at one point and and get injured or is it just something you've kind of worked yeah out i'm say for example if i'm going to do this nine mile race on saturday week it's 14.484 k's is nine miles again this is me i run 30 k's a week but this week it'll be maybe 38 to 40 because i would go to Yesterday I went out to Loves Bay and ran over the hills to Jeringong Surf Club and came back because in my head, if I want to run 14.4 k's, I can't just run 10 k's and expect to run 14 fast, 14 and a half fast. So I did that just working over the hills Mm. and then coasting down and working over the hills. And then I did the nine... The Red Cross, so there's my speed work. There's 9Ks of running fast. It's not 14, but maybe combine that. So, yeah, it's about, like you say, 
you get in your own head and it is that I don't know if it's self-discipline Rob I'm not sure it's just a way of me I don't know where it comes from that being organized maybe it was in the football days that very quickly you worked out if I'm not fitting these guys I'll never get picked in first grade so I've got to work out a way in my head okay well if I'm really fit when the bigger guys get tired I'll see gaps that they don't see. And taking advice, Tony McDonald, he was a soccer coach. And I used to go and train with him because they were he was a fitness fanatic. And he said to his soccer players, so I took that in, he said, when you're tired, you won't see a gap or a decision that if you're fit, you won't get tired and you'll see a hole or a gap that no one else will see. So I took that on board, you know. So for football for me, oh, last 10 minutes of the first half, last 10 minutes of the second half, People are getting tired. I'm going to see things that they're not going to see, so I'm going to get really fit. So, so good. yeah. Because so you mentioned two races there, the 9K Red Cross last weekend and the yes. 9 Mile, which is in not this week, the next weekend. Yep. I want to press pause on those two and get into something else you said about the discipline. What I know about you from people in the running club is that yep. you are self-disciplined. You don't need motivation to get out of bed in the morning. It, no. it seems to come easy for you. Can you tell us like motivation versus discipline or whatever your words are yeah. around those two things. Um, Dimmy will tell you, she, she says, you've got heaps of self-discipline, Gary. That's, I just can't believe that the swimming program I do, this, it's an online one called Effortless Swimming with this Brenton Ford. And he did a podcast with me, I laugh, you know, two podcasts in 12 months. <laughs> anyway, he said, here's a program and he talked to me about it and I said, well, it's no use having a program if you don't do it. You can't, I look at those things on TV where people buy all those machines and then it sits under the bed. Now, I'm not saying they're not good things for people who have, you know, can't get outside. I think they're fantastic, but I wouldn't buy one of those because I know I wouldn't use it. Like if I've got weights or I do weights, I will get up and I don't like it in the garage but I know core work's important to run so I'll do core work I'll do a little bit of weights maybe once or twice a week and but that's that self-discipline it's like saying and it's not a chore see I I don't for some people it might be so for me to get up and like <laughs> Demi will say you're like a jack-in-a-box mate <laughs> she said you're out of bed and you're oh yeah well I'm, I'm gonna go for my run and she'll be going oh, give me 10 more minutes before we make the bed and we have a bit of a laugh, you know. But, yeah, it's, yeah. And I, teaching, I used to tell kids, like, who's responsible for your education? And they'd say, oh, you are. I said, no, it's not me. I said, oh, mum and dad, it's not your mum and dad, it's you. You're the one who's, you're responsible. So you've got to take control. Because we were finding that kids were going to high school because in primary school we were babying them. Mm. And even the really smart kids were just floundering because they, you know, we said to them, when you go to uni, no one's going to say, have your, have your assignment. They're, gonna, they're not going to keep saying, hand it in, hand it in. They're going to say, you got till the 18th of July to get it in. If it's not in, there goes your $4,000 hex fee. And so my education changed that way. And that was based on self-discipline too about you're responsible you know, I'm responsible for my training. It's not, you know, it's not Dimmy, it's not a coach. Um, a coach can give you advice, but he's not responsible for 
it's all it's all all up to you i think and i suppose that's sort of self-discipline rob it's beautiful to hear you say it the consistency the discipline what i'm hearing is you you do set that goal for yourself so the nine mile has been an important race for you over the years yeah and is that what gets you out of bed like a jack-in-the-box and getting in the garage for the strength yes i think if i was a person who um i think i train because i know there's races coming up and i don't see myself as superhuman or anything like that but i think if i didn't have those incentives down the track i'm like anyone else i would probably say well what does it matter if i don't get up today or i don't have to do speed work what does it matter if i'm not doing a race i'll just go and if that's what you want Mm. that's fantastic i think that's great but i can't then do that because of how i think and then go to a race and come home and i'll run say 30 minutes for 5ks and whinge to people because that's not their responsibility i i chose to not do it so you did right rob i think having a goal and for me races or aquathons their goals and then you know it's turning up on this date and you can say well if I don't do the work, then yeah, go and do it. But don't complain if you don't go as well as what you did, you know. I think it's all up to you, yeah. A lot of people want to know at 65, so I'm 46, and my friends at the same age are saying yeah. our times are diminishing. Um, some, some of my friends have stopped running because they're getting slower and they can't find motivation. Can you talk to us from that space about how you've, how as you, you know, have more years? what keeps you going I think I probably ran my best times at 40 and probably I would have slowed like say for the nine mile um, which really hilly course um, when I was 40 I ran it in 50 minutes 30 seconds so now I did it in 2019 in about 56 so I've slowed but for me again the goal was at, I, it's a real achievement at the nine mile to run under your age. So for me to run under my age, so when I was, say, 56, I ran it in 55 minutes. When I was 57, I did 56 minutes. I think when I was 59, I did 56 minutes. So, But I haven't done it since then. So when I go next weekend, my goal will be to break an hour. Yeah, wow. So it is, you do slow, but I think you've got to be you got to be happy with what you can do. It's hard to put my finger on, Rob. It's you know I'm happy with the times I'm doing, but I'm human. If I went to the nine mile and ran, say next Saturday, I ran 67 minutes. I've got to accept that. I mean, inside I wouldn't say it to anyone that I was disappointed because I'm, I'm not that like that. But I would be. I'm human. I'd be going well. I'm running you know, 9Ks in this pace and I'm running this at this pace. Why now have I gone out to 67 or 65? So, and to, I think the biggest thing when I was 40 was not to do too much mileage. I think I mentioned before, rest is really important. Quality training, if that's what you want to do. Uh, rest, um, um, don't get injured. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. I think... Um, I love to run. I love to swim now. When I first started, it was like, oh, this is a bit of a struggle. Uh, 
I think you've got to enjoy it and then be realistic about where you're finishing and and where you've come from. Mm. I know there's people who, I used to say to people, they're running marathons and they said, oh, you know, you've run sub three hours. And I said, well, what about that person out there in the heat has just run four hours 30? That's got to be an achievement, you know, like we finished in the cool of the day, <laughs> you know, these people. So I don't know if these people see it like that, but I think they should. I think you should be really thankful that you can get out and do it too. Like you don't know what you got till you lose it, I think. So when you can't do it, um, yeah. Yeah, basically keep the training. Um, I don't know, some people some people I race now are doing 70 to 100 Ks a week. And I go, well, I haven't got the time, but I don't think my body would handle it. You know, I just think that's that's not me. Well, I love yeah. that you, you know yourself well enough to say, this is what works for me. And... I don't need to lengthen my stride. I don't need to do 70Ks a week or 100Ks a week. And that's, that's that, as you say, that, that ownership and that discipline that you've got. Just for the people listening, we just have to say, Gary's the only person who's broken, who's beat his age at uh, that nine mile yes. three times? Five, five. Five times. Yeah, there's okay, people who've done it once or twice. Yep. So I've done it five times. Yep. Um, hopefully, um, I'll do it again next Saturday. That'll be six. Fantastic. But I, it's funny, you know, like, I've there's... There's a guy who used to run there. He just passed away at 80. He actually played for Kaima and Rugby League, Jimmy Hennessy, but he's from Western Suburbs, um, Unendera. He ran round the nine mile twice. So I, people can say, you're really good, Gary. I said, but there's people a lot better than me. Jimmy Hennessy ran round that twice, probably in his 30s, um, twice in a row, each time under 50 minutes. So... I go, that's incredible. So his goals are different to my goals. Um, and more importantly, which I think is really important, he was such a nice, humble man. And you can be a good athlete, <laughs> but if you're a pain in the neck, <laughs> that sort of takes a fair bit away, I think. And he was just, there was him, a guy by the name of Bill Williamson. No one knew anything about him. He died. He, um, at about 89, he was from Ireland. I looked at the Kimberley Joggers 25-year history book. His times for anything from 400 through to 5,000 metres, I wouldn't even get close, you know. So it's all sort of relative. And like you were saying, Rob, like you've got to be happy with yourself. Um, don't compare your results to someone else. Compare your results to your results, you know, where you've come from. If you've come from um, 40 minutes, um, and now you're running 39, great. But then again, if you're coming from 38 minutes and when you were 26 and now you're 42 and you're running 45 minutes, just say, am I happy with that? You know, is the training I'm doing, is that what I want to do? Have I been injured? There's, oh, you could talk about it for hours. It's beautiful you? hearing the way that you bring it all together about self and about you know, asking yourself, is this what I really want? And when you talk about the other people from the Kembla Joggers, you're not talking about them in a comparison way. I can hear they're inspiring you oh. and what they've done at their age and at someone that you look up to. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I think of, I think I was telling you before the podcast went on about a guy by the name of John Gilmore. And I would ask anyone, because I'd never heard of him, he's become a bit of a hero of mine. 
just to look him up. He went to Changi Prison uh, during the war. He was a pretty good Western Australian athlete. Um, Herb Elliott, when he came back, he was, I don't know, less than 40 kilos, almost blind, uh, decided to get back into running. Herb Elliott says he's the greatest age group runner of all time. Mm. His times stagger belief. Even, I, don't, I hope I don't make a mistake here, he actually, when he was a certain age, ran, I think, a 238 marathon. And he, I don't know how old, was he 40, 45, I don't know. Anyway, he should have been taken to, from what I gather from the article I read, he should have been picked for the Olympics, but they said he was too old. And um, his times are just amazing. I think right up until he was 70, definitely 65, he was still run, running sub 40 minutes for 10Ks. And we're talking 37 minutes, you know, we're not talking 38s, 39s. Um, and again, the article I read said he was such a nice person. Hmm. Like, again, you know. It's all right to be a great athlete, but I think you... And he was humble. Who's heard of John Gilmore? Unless you were involved in athletics. So there would be people who would know him older than me because he died at 99, I think. But yeah, just amazing. Uh, speaking of times, going back to that 9K last weekend, you got you had a fast start and um, <laughs> you got beaten by a couple of young blokes. Can you take us through that, that race oh. last weekend, starting at Minamara, ending in Kayama? Yeah, I like doing that one because it's a local race, um, and I just have to, my warm-up, I can run up the road here. It's about 1.2 k's. <laughs> I don't have to take my car. And um, we're there at Fart. There was um, young David, and um, I think there was Holly and lots of other people there from Kayama Running Club. Oh, Linda. Uh, and it was just that nice atmosphere. Um, did a bit of a warm-up. When I used to negative split, so I'd go out and run 10Ks. My second 5Ks would be quicker than my first. That doesn't happen anymore. I think now I figure if I go out too slow, I'm going to get slower. So I train again to start fast. So every now and again, I'll warm up. And instead of doing that 1K slow and 1K hard, I'll go, okay, let's do a, a 1K hard and then don't run too many. You'll get injured, then do a 1K slow. So we started and um, <laughs> young David took off with the other two and I thought, oh, well, here we go. And I think we went, well, my watch said, whether they're accurate or not, the Garmin's, I don't know. It said we went through in 327. And <laughs> the I went, first K. Mm, yep. <laughs> oh, luckily, luckily, a bit of that's downhill, down um, Johnson Street. And then, which is funny because sometimes on the flat, I, I can't work this out. You might know about this, I don't know. Sometimes I run quicker, not 327s, mind you, but sometimes I run quicker on the flat than I do downhill. So whether you're holding back a bit, but we weren't holding back. And then when I finished, I knew it wasn't, 9Ks, because I did 32.05, and that would have said that I'd run 3.35, and again, I know my own body, mm -hmm. I am not running that course in 3.35. 3.50, yeah, so I looked at my Garmin, and I hope it's accurate, it said 8.36. Mm -hmm. So I worked that out and went, yep, yeah, 8.36, 3.50, yeah, that sounds pretty fair. But um, anyone, if I would have said 9Ks, they would have been going. 335 <laughs> in my head i know there's just no way not yeah. over that course yeah so um 
but the two young guys, they just got away. And that's something I, I used to be a really good hill runner. That was my strength. Um, I did a run with a group of people. I was one of the eldest. Again, I was 40. And we were running. Kembla Joggers had a thing where they'd run from Sydney to Woi Woi. And each of you would have a leg to do. So they gave me the hill leg. And the team I was in, funny enough, was Andrew Lloyd, uh, Rob Batakio, Paul McHale, Chris Stocker, he was my age, but he was an amazing runner, but all the rest were in their 20s and we were 40. Uh, Andrew Lloyd yeah. might have been 35, but they gave me the one that went <laughs> two k's downhill and five up and um, because I was a hill runner. Now I find, like at this one, uh, the young guy who finished third right, I think, he's a bit of a triathlete, he, he was starting to get away from me on the uphill and the two young guys were, yeah, so... I still run well uphill, but I don't kid myself. I don't run like these 25-year-olds or whatever, mate. Yeah, yeah. You're still an incredibly fast pace. Um, I want to take you back to February this year, yep. the World Cross Country <laughs> Masters <laughs> More embarrassments. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just... This is when I first heard about you from Pete Parkinson. and um, So you competed in the 60 to 65 age group? Yes. Now, you were running... With Steve Mon- against Steve Monaghini. Yes. Bruce Graham, who's an Australian legend, uh, multiple national champion in 10,000 metres, 1,500 metres, 5,000 metres. He's a low six. He ran a low 16 uh, for 5,000 metres at 57, I believe. 220 marathoner. Gary Mayer, 227 marathoner. Um, <clears throat> last year, he ran a 246. Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, and you were seconds behind them. So you finished fourth in that race behind <coughs> Steve Monaghan of these two guys. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh, <right. coughs> I, I, it was funny. People from the Kembla Joggers, they said, Gary, the World Championships are at Bathurst. Because I, I don't do those sort of things. Mm. It, not that I'm not interested. I just thought, oh, I just like, like running. They said, you should go up there. You do really well. And I'm thinking, well, what does really well mean? I don't. I don't think they realise that I'm a, an okay runner, but there's some real guns. Like, there could be someone living up in the hills out the back somewhere who doesn't run, who could just turn out of the blue and flog everyone. So I was about to turn 65, so I missed out by a month, uh, two months. And I knew someone said to me, um, Steve Montagetti's just turned 60. And I went, well, there's no way you're going to be first for starters. And I... I'd be happy to finish top 10. Mm. Really, I oh, will. Tig or pink, I'll be top five. Top 10, if, even top 15. I think there was 24 to 30 people in it. Um, they did start everyone together, which I felt sorry for the, it was from the 35s right through to the 69-year-olds. And I felt sorry for the girls because, you know, they get jostled and bumped. Yeah. I think they should have started as separate, maybe, um, maybe run the, 45s to 70 males or whatever. So there was 240 people at the start of this line. It was a tough course. Uh, my wife said, you're pretty shy and timid. Don't you stand at the back. You make sure you get the front. And I'm sort of laughing. <laughs> Do you know of Russell Chin? I don't know. He, is, he was an A. I think he missed out on the Olympics in Sydney. He ended up in the B qualifying group. He still runs. Wow. He's When I was 40, he was 20. So he's now 44. Four, about to turn, and he's still running low 30s, 410Ks. Oh, wow. So he oh. couldn't get in the line as their markings is off going into the start, and I knew Russell would be at the front. 
because there's no way he'd be hanging back. So I said, Russell, hop in here. <laughs> so then I just followed him and stood behind him. And when the gun went, we took off. We did that first K, that was tough, in about 324. <laughs> my, my claim to fame, which is pretty funny actually, was I didn't know where I was in the field. I didn't know what Bruce Graham looked like. I, didn't, I knew who he was. I didn't know of a Gary Moy, I'd never heard of him. Um, <laughs> I knew Steve Montague, I thought it would have been miles in front. At about 600 metres, Steve Montague comes past me, <laughs> only took him 600, so he might have even started at the back and caught everybody. As he came past, he's held that pace. It was a 6K loop, no, mm. 6K, 2K loop, you did it three times. Mm. The first K, um, you were running 340s, you weren't running like that 320 or the first one, but the second K was harder, so you were doing 406s, which... Even with well, Steve Monaghetti would have been the few in our age group that would have been doing sub four minutes for that second K. So he did that three times. But it was tough. There was sand. The rain through a vineyard. There was mud. Poor old Russell fell over in the mud and still managed to run really well. I think yeah. he was fourth in his age group. Um, yeah, but Steve Monaghetti just, he's just, I've never spoken to him, but he seemed like a really nice guy. They did, my wife said to me, I think you might have been third. And I said, oh, I don't know, mate. It doesn't really bother me. I've run a really good time. I'm happy. So there was, I think, 20 seconds between me and um, Gary Moyer, yeah, yeah. and then there was another 30 seconds to him. Then Steve Montagetti had a good minute and a half on second. But I think I was telling you before, he's just broken a world record for 5Ks at 60, just turned 60 and around 15.50. Now, I talked about John Gilmore, but we might be hearing more about, in well, I won't be alive, but in another 50 years we might hear about... Um, yeah, John Gilmore is really good, but so is this old guy, Steve. Steve yeah. So a couple of questions, Gary, about from the other punters back at home. Yeah. What do you consider your greatest running or athletic achievement? Oh, probably, yeah. There's lots. I would say, for me, probably a couple of things would be, the first one would be the... Um, Australian Masters Aquathon in Townsville last year because I'd never done the, I'd done lots of Aquathons but never the Australian Masters and Dim said well you're retired you've been retired for five years if you want to go up we'll go up there and have a look around at Port Douglas but we'll do Townsville and because my swimming had improved out of sight and it was really rough Dim says you're not swimming in that are you I said well I swim in the river so I'll be right I did a bit of surfing we'll be okay so we swam they actually changed the course Instead of going out and back because it was so rough, they made it two loops. So got out of the water um, really well, uh, faster than I normally do. Uh, I swam, well, it doesn't seem like a quick time for a K, because I'm probably swimming in a wetsuit about 16 minutes for a K, 16.10, but I swam about 19. But again, compared to everyone else's times, the guns who, like the professional guys, whoever, who are representing Australia already, they were, who would normally swim 11 or 12 they were swimming maybe 15s so it's all relative and then the one guy in my age group was about 20 seconds ahead of me and um but i ran 1821 for the 5ks which um yeah put me 16th overall oh. and again caught some young guys like 40 year olds who yeah. represented australia i think well they had the australian uniform on so i assume they did but again it's that was, for me, I suppose because I do run well, 
it was an achievement to swim well yeah and then put the run in so for me that was and again even things like playing first grade rugby at 18 I'd never thought I was that good <laughs> you know I didn't think I was always fit but I didn't think you know that was probably out of my league but it was just so those sort of things athletics at school bare feet like I was saying before, maybe second in the 400, but could have easily been eighth. <laughs> as we all, but the guy who was first was miles ahead. <laughs> and I think because they were all coached, they a lot of those people went to um, Southern Star and Blue Flame or whatever they're called, their athletics clubs in Wollongong or there was Sydney because it was, I went to a Catholic school, so it would have been the Catholic School State Athletics at ES Marksfield. So it was on a tartan track and I was in bare feet. So I don't know how that went down, but anyway, it was, um, it was okay, yeah. So that would have been it, mate. It's amazing to hear that aquathon story, you know, to, to back up a swim with that 1821. Oh, that's, yeah. that's very impressive. Um, and that's last year. Just trying, just trying to put all in context for me. Two questions for what would your advice be? I mean, I'll ask them. Both, because you might, you've yep. given us so much about how you wrap it all together with the rest and recovery and strength work and quality time and having a goal for yourself. What would your advice be to a new runner who's looking to really excel as in the sport? And the second thing is to us who are, um, as we age, to maintain our whatever it is, motivation, strength, discipline. If you yeah. can talk to those two. I think if you're a young person getting involved, the first thing I'd do is say, don't put too much pressure on yourself. And sometimes that can come from parents. It must be a hard thing for parents though. Where do you draw the line of not letting your kids be lazy, but not pushing them too hard? So dimming, I don't have kids, so I'd be the last person to say where that line is. I'd say, enjoy it. I'd, I'd join something like the Kaima Running Club, and this isn't a plug for them, this is just because it's more social. And I think if you were a kid, you could go to Little Athletics. That's great if that's what you want. But something like the Parkless Run, you start when you want to start, you finish when you want to finish and run how fast you want to run. You're around like-minded people who are interested in running for different reasons. They're not all competitive. If you, there's elite runners there, there's people who want to walk, there's people who just want to spend time with their kids. So I'd, I'd have something, I'd have a running group that it may, if you're young, say school age, um, that means you can become committed to go on a Saturday. So if you say to your parents, um, I want to go, then maybe if you say that, then then you're committed to that. You can't say, uh, I'm not going again for this year. Okay, you do it for a year. You don't have to do it every week. Do it once a month. But you've said you want to do it. So how about you just stick it out for a year uh, and see how you go. Again, I'm not a parent. That might be a lot harder than it sounds. If you are in a group like that then you're not pressured into little athletics would be great but what about the kid who finishes eighth or ninth and that's life i understand that 
but if you're finishing eighth or ninth every day, depending on your personality, if you that could pretty quickly turn you off running. If you're the the kid finishing the line, Kembla joggers, I love the way they run, but I don't know how old you have to be run. It's handicap. Now some people don't like that, but I love it. So they look at your previous times. You can be off scratch. If say you're running 10Ks in 60 minutes, you go, and then they work out your handicap, say, I might be 27 minutes after the first person. Yeah. So they try and get everyone finishing together. So I might never win a race, but I'm doing my best time, but it gives those people an opportunity yeah. to win a race that they've never had. And success is a big thing. Um, would I be as keen as I am? I hope I would be, but success breeds success. And that doesn't have to be winning, but the first time you run five minute Ks, if that's a success, you're gonna say, I like this. You know, I'm motivated to do it more. If you, uh, the first time one of these people at Kembla Joggers wins a race, they might've been off 10 minutes. They've got to say, well, that was a real goal for me to catch those people in front of me. So I think that's important. If I was an age group person, say my age or younger, I'd keep it in perspective. I would, again, I think it comes back to that. Don't get injured. The best way to not get injured is to not overtrain. And it's then up to you. What do we mean by quality? Is quality running 1K at 350 or is quality running 1K at 430? It's just, I think... It depends where you're at, doesn't it? it? Depends what you want out of it. Um, if you want to, your goal might be to run 10Ks, but if your times are slowing and you say, well, oh, I'm not happy with that, then have a look. Say, well, why am I running slower? Have I been injured? You know, have I, um, do I, if I want to run 4Ks, uh, four minute Ks, do I start off by trying to run 1k at 4.30 and then jog walking for a k. Maybe I'll just do three of them. I know when I got injured, I thought I'd never run quick again when I did my calf about five years ago. Kept going. Like I'd pull a calf, get massages, physio. I then, we went to Greece for eight weeks, came back. We just walked over there, said, oh, this is great. Went out, first day went for a run, 2k's, calf went again. I said, Oh, I don't know if I'll ever run quick again, but I want to run. My wife is really good. She said, Gary, you'll run quick again. And it made me think, I remember someone telling me, it's a lot easier for you to get back to a level if you've already been there than someone who's starting off and never been there. So for someone who's never run 10Ks, to, for them to get to 40 minutes is a lot harder for someone who's running 40 minutes for 10Ks they did it for a while, then got injured or gave it away, they'll get back to that because their body has some sort of memory, provided they, you know, I think weight plays a part too. Like um, I go around about, when I was running in my 40s, I was about 67 kilos and maybe genetics helped there. I wasn't big, but now I'm probably 62. So, you know, can you imagine if I was 67 kilos now, if I put a five kilo bag of oranges around my neck 
and went for a run, would I run as quick as I'm at 62? But then you've got to draw that line. Am I, would I be too light, light and not healthy? So I don't know if I know the answers, Rob, but just you're always thinking and running things over in your head. Well, you know? what I'm learning is how, how you're setting these, these goals for yourself. Is either incremental goals that are meaningful to you um, is the first thing you answered, which, which is what I've learned from you today is, yeah. is how intrinsically motivated you are and, and how much you think about what you want to achieve and then plan to achieve that. But with the, with the injury thing, I want to ask you, how did you, what was your mindset like when, when that calf was popping? And, and I know Demi yeah. helped you out by saying, you'll get back, but how did you I, And it can be quite painful for people, I reckon, sometimes. Mm. I'm a cup half full guy. Yeah. I... Um, I'm a bit of an optimist, and I reckon that can that could wear you down too, as a as a friend of mine or something. If he's always so friggin' happy, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I I sort of thought, yeah, I'll be fine. But there was doubt. There mm. was not doubt that I'd run, but again, is and we talk about this outwardly. Maybe I don't look competitive, but inside, I'm saying. I want to break 40 minutes for 10Ks. You know, even if it's 39.50, if I can do that, get over this calf injury, that's what I want to do. So there was the motivation, I suppose. But then it was, like it went on for ages. Maybe COVID was good. We didn't never got COVID. But with lockdown, you had to train yourself. You There was no races. So I could spend, instead of putting pressure on myself and say, oh no, I've got to do, third, I've got to do a fast, uh, K today and a slow K today because I'm going to race in two weeks' time. It's like, well, there's no race for a while, but what I'll do is I'm going to map out a course around here that's 5Ks, like the park run, and in a month's time, if I'm right, I'm going to have a crack at it. So I'd rest, get my leg right, and then when I went back, and then I'd, I'd used to give names like, this is going to sound so childish, I did, I'd had... Um, I used to, because the original Killaloo run, yeah. you'd run downhill, then across the beach, then you go uphill and around. It was a loop. So here, I get on um, North Kymer Drive, run downhill, across the beach, come back out past the surf club, then up the hill and around, and then I ended up back over here somewhere. That was 5Ks. And I'd call it... <laughs> I'd call it... Um, Killaloo Alternative Run yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then I knew the North Wollongong Park run was flat. So I'd go out to the cul-de-sac at Minamara there. Yeah. And then I'd run out. I call it the forest, that Ruth Devonley yeah. Drive. And I'd run out there and back. And I'd have to go a little bit further past. And I'd call that the North Wollongong Alternative Park Run. So again, in my head, if I race again, I know I'm not going to spend three years and then come back and just go... Oh, I'm going to North Wollongong and I expect to run sub 20. So I knew that in that three years, I'd ran sub 20 on each of those. So that when they said, oh, I said, well, I'll go and do North Wollongong first because I don't fancy doing a hilly one to start with. And went out there and, and ran 1830 or something. Did you? So that was, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, so but it was all planned. <laughs> so good. But there's, there's a patience that you have as well. Like mm-hmm. It seems that, it seems that, you you set your goal and but you, I just feel like you, you you don't seem to have the the rush to get there or is that, is that yeah part I, of I think I yeah I, I hate 
because it sounds like I'm big note myself. But, um, Go for it. You know. <laughs> so, Dimmy says I'm the most patient man she's ever met. Yeah. She said, doesn't anything bother you? She's Greek heritage. Doesn't anything bother you? I said, yeah, it does. I like if I think I, I don't like conflict, but I need to say something, I'll say it. I'll try and say it nicely, you know, if someone backs me into a corner. But I just think life's too short, Rob. I just think, you know, you're pretty fortunate. And I don't want to sound too airy-fairy or anything like that. But, you know, I've been, I've been pretty lucky. Like, uh, yeah, I could have been in Glasgow and where I was growing up, the average lifespan even three years ago was, was it three? Maybe a bit longer, was 56. And that's why mum and dad wanted us to get us out of there. Like, they didn't even have a, a bedroom, like, where they had, in the kitchen, there was like a hole in the wall, and that's where their bed was. And for us to have a, a Saturday morning treat for us was to, me and my older sister would get in that bed, and mum would go down to the bakery and buy white bread, and Devon, like Dim's Greek, like, like her diet's perfect. And she was saying, that was a treat. I said, oh, well, there's tomato sauce on it. <laughs> and that was, so my parents knew, and they gave us a better life by coming to Australia. And so you've got to be really thankful for that. And so then I just go, well, you've been really fortunate because who knows if you were in Glasgow, um, they have bulldozed a lot of those houses, but I don't think they've bulldozed the ones where we lived. And some parts of Glasgow are apparently pretty trendy. Um, but it's just, um, I think that sort of stuff, where you, where you grow up and, and things that, um, and I had really good parents. We might've grown up in a, a rough area, but my parents, you know, it was all about their kids, you know, we weren't spoiled. We didn't have much, but you know, we were just, um, loved, I suppose, mate, yeah. you know? So that was, yeah. And that sort of transfers across into... Yeah, I'm just thankful that I can get out and go for a run, mate, and stuff like that. So many people are going to learn so much from that. Thanks, mate. Um, on that gratitude that you have that that permeates, you were like, that's how you come across, and Dimmy's right, you're like extremely patient and, <laughs> and kind and humble. Um, and, and it's nice to hear that you look up to people in the running circles who are also like that. I, yeah. yeah, I think that's really important, Rob. Mm. I... And, and don't get me wrong, I, I can't judge people because everybody's got a story. People might be the way they are because of their story. So it's not for me to say that person's big noting themselves they're not a nice person. I, well, like, I don't know what sort of life they've had as a kid or, you know, have they, you know, are they insecure? And uh, Because my father, who apparently was a really good soccer player, now I can't, um, vouch for this I don't know because he used to tell some pretty good stories but my uncle told me he played on Wembley twice in front of 80,000 people um, for a team called Leighton Orient and um, I didn't find out till I was 15 and um, 15, 16 when my uncle told me and I said oh you're a pretty good soccer player and he said yeah I was okay and I said why didn't you tell me and he said well I don't think it's important <laughs> and then he said to me if you're really good at something and this is stuck in my mind if you're really good at something, you don't have to tell people. Mm. They'll find out. But if you're a bit insecure about how good you are and you're like, oh, I'm, yeah, you'll then start telling people because you'll want them to know you're good. And he says, that's fine because people are different. But if you're really good at something, he said, you don't have to tell people. 
And he said, if they don't find out, that's fair enough too. But people generally do because they'll see your results or they'll, you know. And he was a pretty modest guy. So I think those sort of traits. And again, mum was apparently a really good sprinter in Glasgow and won some silver spoons over 100 metres. But because they were poor, she was never, ever picked up to, to run or stuff like that. So, And back then, you know, um, you, know you get married, you have kids, you know, and they, wouldn't, they both left school at 13, but that wouldn't have been unusual in that time, I wouldn't imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so times were different, yeah. But I think that's the education, and I tried to do that once I was at school. I think that's as important as, you know, your subjects and everything. It's, you know, things, life skills, about either being humble or a work ethic or just being nice, but whatever it is, I think, you know, my parents might have left school at 13, but they had some pretty good ideas about how to bring up a couple of kids, I think, mate. It's just, that's the way that we see you in the running club and and exactly as you described. So it's really beautiful to hear that they're your principles or your values because- um, But I'm not the only one, Rob. Um, Yeah, I'm gonna put you on the spot. I (laughs) hadn't, heard of you and then I see this thing with this guy who wins these 100Ks and things like that. So I'm not the only one. There's, there's lots of people in our community who, you know, again, probably my mother and father would say, you know, that girl walking down the street, you don't know. She could have been in 30 years ago. She could have been a world-class hurdler, <laughs> but just can't be bothered telling anyone, you know, so... I think there's probably a lot of people in our community. It doesn't always have to be athletics or football and things like that. You know, there's some really talented people who, um, you know, are nurses or doctors. You know, sometimes I think we, I love my sport, but sometimes I think the people who do these thankless jobs in nursing homes or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, because really when you think about it, and I've said that to Dimmy, what I've done is, pretty selfish in some ways to to do well you've got to be pretty selfish like you in that, again you've got to be careful I've been really lucky I, that's why I try and keep it in balance um, when I was doing triathlons and you know some people are doing really big miles you've got to be careful that your relationship doesn't suffer you know because you um, you know it, it Sport can be really selfish, depending on which level you want to be at. So I've always tried to keep that in mind too. Just um, be careful uh, because it is selfish. If you want to run at a certain time or swim or do a triathlon, or you've got to just make sure that you try and keep things in balance as well as you can. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it if that's what you want to do, as long as you and your partner and whatever goes on, you've sort of and I'm lucky Dim loves her exercise so um, she's just started running so um, about when I got injured at COVID I said I'm just going to run and walk she said I'll do it with you she's always done Hmm. um, aerobics or um, Les Mills whatever it is so and then she started now she's got up to where she'll run 5k's now she'll go I'm not a runner like that lack of self-confidence and I'm going you know, you, you run so well. No, I don't. <laughs> but yeah, so there's an achievement. Here's someone who has never run. We took her out to the parkless run. She'll do another one. She was talking to Sharon the other day and said, um, I'm not good at getting out of bed. And Sharon said, uh, looks like we'll see you in summer. <laughs> so 
but there's that we talk about those set your own goals. Now Dimmy's goal is to run was to run five Ks nonstop. And now she's doing it. And she's that's her goal and she's tickled pink. She's she says, I never used to love Gary, but now I do. I said, Well, you're just getting there slowly, mate. That's good. Such a good message. Well Gaz, I wanna finish off by asking, is there anything you haven't said that you'd like to say or any more advice you can give to the oh. I, I don't think so, Rob. Just, um, I, I think we've said it. I hope I haven't said it too many times. Probably have, but really enjoy it. If I, I enjoy it, and I hate to say that sometimes in case, you know, there's people sitting there going, oh, yeah, it's all right for him because he runs really well. And, and I understand that. You know, sometimes if you're doing it tough, um, then it's not something that you enjoy. I, I don't know, but just... Um, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Again, just train how you want to train, and think of where you where you started from. That journey, not so much um, the destination. You know, just that journey of what what I'm doing. And see, my goal would be to be still running. Fingers crossed, I'm still here at maybe 85, 90. You know, I won't be running at sub 40 minute pace for 10Ks and there's something I've got to come to grips with, you know. Uh, do When I do slow, um, I've just got to say to myself, well, there's two things about this. You're, you know, you're 70 and you're now running 43 minutes for 10Ks. What are you going to do? You're going to stop or you're going to be happy with that? And I think I'll be happy with that. I think if, if I'm not... I'll get Dim to kick me in the backside and tell me to wake up to myself, mate. But yeah, no. But thanks very much, mate. Oh, I really appreciate that. I just love that person who's struggling to get out of bed. As you said, I'm not enjoying the running. If they do those things, go easy on themselves, don't judge themselves, and set those their own goals yeah. instead of what someone says they should do. Yeah, that's going to help them tremendously, mate. Yeah. Thanks really, for no. I really appreciate it, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's helped someone. It might not have, mate, but I hope it has anyway. Absolutely, will. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run. If you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run.com at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. If there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.